Our uh, first scripture reading is from the New Testament, from uh, Paul's uh, second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I invite you to follow along. Paul writing says this, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of Christ, prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are confident of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our confidence is from God, who has made us confident to be ministers of a new covenant, not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Habakkuk has a rather unusual name and one that is actually pronounced different ways. There is Habakkuk, there is Habakkuk, you may even want to use halibut, or if it makes you feel comfortable, you can just say Chewbacca, I don't care. <laughs> now, his name may sound strange because this is the only book in which his name appears in both the Old and New Testaments. His name means he that embraces, or more importantly, for our purposes this morning, wrestler. Habakkuk wrestles with a number of questions in his book. In fact, what makes this book so unusual is that it's not a sermon or a message given to some wayward nation, but it is a conversation with God. And Habakkuk wrestles with questions that we also commonly ask in our lives. God, how am I going to make it through this season of my life? God, where are you? I thought that you loved me. God, how is this even fair? Habakkuk lived and prophesied sometime around 600 B.C., at a time when things were unraveling fast in Judah, which was in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, called Israel, had already been carried away into exile, but Judah had endured a series of bad kings leading them astray. Now, to make matters even worse, a drought had devastated the land to the point that their fields had produced little to no fruit their cattle had either all starved to death or had been stolen. Habakkuk describes the situation in chapter 3, verse 17. The fig tree does not blossom. There is no fruit on the vines. The produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food. The flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. It is not a pretty sight. It, it kind of reads like a bad country and western music song. My, light, my wife left me, I lost my job, my truck broke down, and my dog died. <laughs> you think we have supply chain issues? Well, the region of Judah was undergoing a starvation level 
collapsed in social and economic ways. In addition to that, the evil Babylonians were a looming threat. And God had told Habakkuk and the other prophets at that time that Babylon would soon invade the southern kingdom, destroy it, and carry the survivors away into captivity. Now, I know just about all of you here today, but I don't know all of you. And maybe you are someone who is facing a tough medical diagnosis or a crumbling, stressful marriage or some financial difficulty. The point is this, Habakkuk was written for you. Our scripture reading today is basically God's reply to his question, how long will this evil prevail? And so I invite you to join me as we look at one uh, scripture reading in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter two, verses one through four. Again, you can follow along on the screen. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Look at the proud, their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the uh, comic strip BC, a man sits alone on the ground, solemn and dejected. And at one point he yells, God, if you're up there, give me a sign. And the next panel in that cartoon shows the shaking of the ground as the earth trembles because something has fallen from the sky down to earth. And then the third panel has the man staring at this huge neon sign standing up on its edge on the ground with in humongous block letters that says, I'm up here. Well, Habakkuk is a lot like the man in the comic strip. He is waiting for a sign from God. Habakkuk lives in a world in which God's people suffer while the wicked go unpunished and free. And so Habakkuk, this puzzled prophet, questions God. In fact, he says, I keep watch to see what God will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. But God is big, and God is big enough to handle the complaints of Habakkuk or any of the complaints from you and me. And so the Lord answers Habakkuk, I want you to write this vision I'm going to give you and write it so clearly that someone who runs by can read it. In other words, write it down clearly for everyone to be able to see. One uh, church growth expert says that most church signs today are rather foolishly done. They're hard to read. They carry way too much information. They're, they're in the wrong position in relationship to the traffic. He says, this church growth expert, that signs should be two to three second signs. Because given the speed of the traffic on a particular road, 
given the information that can only be read in two to three seconds. That's what should be written on that sign. He said five seconds, five seconds is way too much because the people will have already passed by without getting the message. I love the sign that was in one IRS office. It says, in God we trust, everyone else we audit. <laughs> you get the message on that one, don't you? One church sign read, if you have insomnia, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. I love this one. Do not gripe about your church. If it was perfect, you couldn't be in it. <laughs> Some churches like to poke fun at their pastors. One sign read, if you want a better preacher, pray for the one you've got. <laughs> But preachers are also now getting their revenge. This was actually on a sign in an Episcopal church parking lot. The sign said, clergy parking only. You park, you preach. <laughs> well, during the time of Habakkuk, messages were written down on clay tablets and then transported by messengers who ran to their specific destination. They, they were like the Pony Express of the ancient Near East. Today, I think the Lord is saying to us to be the messengers, to write, to write messages in bright neon lights on these signs so that others may read it. Now, this brings us to the all-important question. What is so important about this message that we want even Mr. Magoo to be able to see it? The Carnegie Foundation did a study of teachers who were responsible for raising test scores of students. What did these teachers do to help their students raise their test scores? Do you think it was the teacher with the masters or the PhD with lots of knowledge? Well, do you know what the answer was? It is teachers who believe that their subject matter is so important that you could not make it in life without knowing what it is they were teaching. So a teacher who believes that you can't make it without knowing calculus will teach you calculus. A teacher who believes that you can't make it in life without knowing prepositional phrases will teach you the grammatical rules. Successful teachers are the ones who are able to keep the attention of that student who is running by. Helen Keller, born both blind and deaf, said once, the most important day in my life was the day my teacher came to me and was Annie Sullivan who taught Helen Keller the meaning of words. Now, there are some things that you don't need to write for people to see. There are things that are unhelpful or unproductive that, that don't need to occupy space in our heads. For example, halftime scores. If you are a, a sports trivia buff, that has to be the ultimate in trivial pursuit. The Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals, and the final score was 23 to 20. Does anybody know what was the halftime score? Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Halftime scores don't mean anything. You don't write down halftime scores in permanent marker for people to see. It's what the score is at the end of the game that really matters. In the same way, there are some wounds not worth remembering 
once they heal. And I'm not talking about the physical ones as much as I'm talking about the emotional ones. You shouldn't remember them unless you want to accumulate what I call frequent flyer victim miles. You see, when you have a wound that has healed, you don't need to write it down anymore. You don't need to remind people of it because that can cause more hurt and more damage in your family because you're always bringing it up. The Apostle Paul writes so beautifully in his great love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. So, what is worth remembering? Friends, remember the faithfulness of God. Wait for it. It may come slowly. You may grow impatient, but it will come because it is true. You can count on it. You can write that in big letters for everyone to see. God is faithful. We have those beautiful words in that glorious hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. But what else do we need to write in large letters? I think we have to write some sort of message of hope. Hope is to our spirit what oxygen is to our lungs. Without hope, we die. But the tiniest ray of hope can keep us going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. You know, some people like to begin their sentences with an adverb. Hopefully, if I send out these resumes, I'll get some job interviews. Hopefully, if I take this medicine, I will get better. It seems we no longer say, oh, I hope I will get better. I, I hope I get the job of my dreams. And this way of phrasing our words with an adverb means that we move from the active tense to the passive tense. Hopefully, the preacher won't go on too long this morning. That's not hope, that's wishful thinking. I hope the Giants have a better season than the Eagles. Now that's the active tense, but it is probably still wishful thinking. As Christians, we are called to an active, passionate hope, which is different from optimism. Optimism is more than a feeling. We all have days when we feel optimistic, right? I once heard optimism described as going after Moby Dick in a rowboat and taking the tartar sauce with you. That's optimism. But hope, hope is something different. And I saw and heard hope powerfully portrayed on the big screen in one of my favorite movies from several years ago, The Shawshank Redemption. So let's dim the lights and we'll show you the last minute and a half of the movie. I'm guilty of committing a crime. Parole violation. Of course, I doubt they'll toss up any roadblocks for that. Yeah. Not for an old crook like me. Fort Hancock, Texas, please. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. 
A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. That always gets me. Friends, uh, hope is the most powerful uh, personal energy source in the world. What, what keeps you going if you are in prison is hope. What sends your kids to college is hope. What brought us through this pandemic is hope. What brings you here today to this place as we worship as one family of God is hope. We all need hope. And hope is what God gave Habakkuk and to you and me today. Listen to how the book of Habakkuk concludes in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, in which he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. You know, sometimes we have a hard time writing good things on signs about the church in general. But to me, the writing on the signs are encouraging because good things are happening in the church and good things are happening in this church. Did you know that in the last few months, our worship attendance has been the highest since before the pandemic? We're averaging about 150 to 160 in worship on a Sunday morning, and that does not include our online presence. And that ain't bad. The debt on our $1.3 million sanctuary renovation is now under $500,000. We're getting ready for September and Wednesday nights where we will serve about 200 meals to people. Our Jacob's Ladder Nursery School is just about full for the fall. We had 70 kids in our vacation Bible school with many from outside the church. Junior high and senior high fellowships are meeting every week during the summer months. And you know, youth ministry is like ministering to a parade. These kids, they, they come into our lives and there's not much time because they're gonna pass by us so quickly. And we have to know how to write it clearly as they're running by because they're not gonna stop. That's why we, we make every effort to send our young people on retreats and on mission trips. We wanna write the gospel in big letters by sending all of you, all of our people out into the world. And so friends, we can be like human billboards for Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians, which was our first scripture reading earlier this morning, says this, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We can move in the power of Jesus Christ in this world. We can bring the truth of his love to all that we meet so that the people who read this message of the gospel 
can see it written on our hearts here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. Habakkuk is saying to us on this last Sunday of July, he is saying, write it in big, bright, neon letters. Write it for everyone to see. The righteous will live by their faith. 